before we get on with episode 73, a word from our friends at Monmouth Park. Monmouth Park's premier race is the TVG.com Haskell Stakes. Saturday, July 17th, with the prospective field expected to include Derby runner-up Mandaloon, Preakness runner-up Midnight Bourbon, and Belmont runner-up Hot Rod Charlie the Haskell is yet again poised to be summer's biggest race. Haskell Day will boast a betting menu fitting of the day with a $400,000 guaranteed pick four ending in the Haskell, a $100,000 guaranteed pick five on the last five races, and a $200,000 estimated pool in the win early pick five, which is races one through five. For more information on ticketing, horses to watch, and much more, go to monmouthpark.com slash Haskell. Now, on to episode 73. What's happening? Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, July the 5th. It is the holiday, and that's why this is going to be a bite-sized, or part of the reason it's going to be a bite-sized edition of the show. This is episode 73. Thank you for listening. However you take this thing in, if you're audio only, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com, just to name a few. If you're over on YouTube, uh, search bar Matt Bernier Show, you get that you will get this episode along with the 72 prior if you can't tell a little tired got in late last night from new york i uh, didn't sleep great when i finally got home good weekend down at belmont park with nbc and nbcsn the the weather on saturday was just miserable uh sunday was beautiful we had some very interesting racing and i'm not going to do a super deep dive into either of the winning your in races that we saw down there i'm also not going to touch on the racing from gulfstream park this is going to be because it's the holiday and you know many of you this may not even get up until tuesday night um I'm going to go over just my classic top 10 ranking. And I did it a little bit for those of you that follow along and, and play with the horse player happy hours uh, throughout the week. There isn't going to be one this week, FYI. Um, I offered up my top 10 at the time because I didn't know if I was going to be able to come in for the show or not. And luckily I was able to pop in for a little bit on uh, Friday afternoon. But it, the for me, this past weekend anyway, did change things I don't want to say a, a significant amount, but it did change my my top 10. So I want to kind of just reflect on last week's top 10 versus this week's top 10, and we'll find out what the actual top 10 is. Well, by the time you listen to this, it'll have been released. So just to see where I kind of compare and contrast from one week to the other, and I, I've made it clear I try not to do anything too reactionary. I don't want to be caught up prisoner of the moment, but I think there was reason to look at the result specifically from Saturday and say, okay. Maybe there's some things to, to take out of this. Uh, also, for what it's worth, no one correctly identified uh, Stiletto, the winner of the Iowa Derby on Friday evening. So there is no one right now scheduled to be the guest for next Monday's show for the Friday feature. But I may be maybe going to the bullpen. Maybe maybe having to call in one of the big guns to uh, come and we'll talk about at least some sort of race among other things but i have to find out if this person's available first i'm sure many of you can figure out who i'm alluding to so anyway let's talk about the top 10 in the breeders cup classic and yes there are many other great divisions going on don't get me wrong i don't want to make it sound like this is the only division that matters but the classic is the the glitz and glamour division that we have for the breeders cup so the top 10 rankings began last week with the first poll uh the number one rated 
horse as far as the voters. I believe there's just under 30 of us who vote. Uh, number one was Maxfield on the heels of that big effort in Stephen Foster. Number two was Mystic Guide. Mystic Guide actually had more first place votes than Maxfield did, but based on the totality of things, Maxfield was number one. I had Mystic Guide at number one. My top 10 from last week was number one, Mystic Guide, number two, Royal Ship, three, Country Grammar, four, Essential Quality, five, Hot Rod Charlie, six, Happy Saver, seven, Maxfield, eight, Mandaloon, nine, Silver State, 10, Idol. Saturday's race is run. Max Player upsets the Suburban at Belmont Park. Mystic Guide narrowly defeated second. I believe third was Moretti, perhaps. Was it Moretti or was it Happy Saver? It was Happy Saver. Happy Saver finishes third. Moretti finishes fourth. Very, very wet racetrack. I don't get the impression, and granted, I do need to do a little bit more work, but from what I've seen in the replays that I went back and watched right after the race, I don't get the impression that inside was necessarily bad. And I know that was something that, you know, perhaps is brought up as a, a rationale for why Mystic Guy didn't win. Um, I think there were a couple things to take out of the race, though, without doing a full-blown deep dive into it. Uh, when Whenever Max Player was that close to the pace, he knew something was a little bit different because he's a horse that just doesn't have early foot. And I think a, a handicapping sort of adage or a handicapping tool to always think about when a horse that doesn't have a ton of early speed, or let me rephrase that, when a horse that is a finisher that is going to see out distances all of the sudden breaks alertly and is forward and you know that they're going to finish, I think that automatically you, while the race is being run, it's not going to change, you know, you can't change your bet. But I think when you're watching races, it's very important to look at how everything is going in the field as opposed to just keying in on the horse or horses that you have in whatever bet that you've made. I think that's a key piece of, of actually watching races and replays in the in the best way possible. I think too many people just focus on what their horse or horses that they've bet on, where they are and how they're moving and that this, that, and the other. I think being able to watch the entirety of the race from front to back multiple times. So as they're coming down the back stretch or they're, they're going into the clubhouse turn or whatever it may be, watching everyone and how everyone is positioned and how everyone's moving, I think that gives you a better sense of actually how the race was run. So when Max Player is up there, as close to the pace, as close to Moretti as he was early on, made me think, all right, he's probably going to end up running a good race today. I didn't know if, I didn't think he would win, but I figured he would probably be involved. And, and to be honest, going into it, I didn't love him. I didn't think there was really a lot to love about him, to be honest, other than the fact that he had run well on a wet track in the past. So he was close to the pace. Moretti sets the pace. Pace is very, I would say, moderate for, for grade one animals. Uh, down on the inside is Mystic Guide, and, and I don't want to hold that. You know, I don't want to use that as an excuse. He was able to get through. I thought it was a good ride from Luis Saez. Um, he was late to change leads. Uh, and keep in mind, Mystic Guide was a horse last year as a three-year-old that my thing was he always had little, little things he needed to iron out. And not that that's why he won or lost or didn't win, I should say, on Saturday. But 
something that, okay, sticking with me, that was a little interesting, and perhaps it was the wet track, you never know, but something to keep an eye on. I also didn't love that he drifted out. Now, I think that may have been a combination of him and possibly Saez trying to get closer to Max Player to get him to kind of continuing to engage uh, as we got into deep stretch. But all around, it was... And this was something else that we were talking about prior to going on air. The idea of, uh, with the folks anyway that I was at Belmont with, Mystic guides, especially from a thoroughgraph standpoint, and some of the other figs didn't really check out that way, but from a thoroughgraph standpoint, he ran an exceptional top in that run down at Oaklawn. He ran well in Dubai, but it was actually a pretty significant step back from the effort in Arkansas. So now the question became, for me anyway, as I'm trying to talk myself through everything, is is he going to move back to that career top that we saw down at Oaklawn with the wet track and with some time off? Is he going to run back to Dubai, which is still far and away the fastest in the field? Or is he going to come back, considering that those two races were the fastest he had ever run, was he going to come back to something that he was sort of more on par with going back to last year's Jockey Club, which was another regression from those first two races? Based on the buyers and the time form ratings that are out, and I haven't seen what the thoroughgraph number looks like, I would think it's fair to say he probably took a step backward, which to me is not... It's not the end-all, be-all. I'm not going to sit here and say he can't win any of these big races going forward. But I am at least now thinking, okay, well, maybe he's not the overwhelming favorite that I thought he might be. And maybe he's not way the horse to beat anymore. He is still one of the horses to beat, even in defeat. But maybe he just isn't that horse that has that that massive edge that I really, truly kind of thought he did. As far as Happy Saver is concerned, I thought, frankly, I thought it was was pretty bad on Saturday. But to be fair, it was the first time he had ever run in the afternoon on a wet track. And I was going to try to ask Todd Pletcher that on Saturday, but we ended up getting into a bit of a a time crunch and we weren't able to get that interview in. So, but that was, I was going to, you know, my question was going to be, is there any kind of concern first time in the afternoon on a wet track, how he may handle it. And um, I just, he never really seemed to be all that engaged. He was in a decent position, I thought. He was perched in the clear, a few lengths off of it. When Arad started getting into him, he was just kind of even. And he stayed on at the end. I think it would be a, a major mistake to write him off. You know, if, if I'm saying all this about Mystic Guide, it would be even more so, in my opinion, about a horse like Happy Saver. Now, whatever your opinion was of him going into it, that's you know your opinion basically what i'm saying is i don't think saturday should either confirm or deny what you thought about happy saver going into it i moved him down a couple pegs just simply because it was very mediocre but at the same time in the big picture you think about it from a breeder's cup standpoint he's probably not going to get a wet track at del mar in november and i want to see i'll give him at least the benefit of the doubt before i take him off the top 10 Let's see where he comes back next. If it is a race like the Whitney or the Pacific Classic at Del Mar or somewhere else. I, or, or maybe they even give him more time. Maybe it's the Jockey Club 
because it feels like this is a horse that wants to run long. Maybe they wait till September, run him in that race in the Jockey Club Gold Cup up at Saratoga, and then run him in the in the Breeders' Cup out at Del Mar. Give him that good spacing. Um, I, I'm not ready to write him off just yet. I, I want to give him a mulligan because of the wet track. Let's see what he does when he gets back on a fast main strip, because I still think that there's more there than what we saw on Saturday. I think that's pretty safe to say, pretty clear to say. So then that brings us to Max Player. And what do you do with him? The 101 buyer doesn't jump off the page. His best races now have come on a wet track. He has been forwardly placed when there's a wet track. He will, in all likelihood, not have either of those for the Breeders' Cup. Now, maybe he will prove over the summer that he has newfound early foot and he can get into the run earlier. And if that's the case, again, a horse who you know is going to see out a distance is much more dangerous when they have tactical speed. Hell, any horse is more dangerous when they have tactical speed as opposed to having to come from 15 out of it. So he showed a new dimension. He beat what I think are good horses. I had to put him into the list, but I'm not all in on him. I'm not fully buying into it just yet. I think the wet track moved him up considerably. I think Mystic Guide, he probably gave you a B-minus effort. Uh, Happy Saver gave you a a D kind of effort. I'm not going to hold it against him. He just had a bad day. But I also, I I don't want to go over over the top with Max Play. And I'll be very curious to see where he ends up in the top 10, because I'm sure he's going to be in the top 10. But defeating who many had as the number one horse and many had as a top five to top seven type, uh, I'm going to be curious to see how high up on the list he is. I only put him in at 10 because I still I want him to prove it to me. So comparing my list from last week to this week, I'm willing to make a bet here. And I'm curious what anyone's thoughts are beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. There was a, a, a thing uh, a couple weeks ago where I, I put out an opinion of mine about Beholder uh, and Ed DeRosa had a field day with that. And it's it's Twitter. Yeah, fun with it. But I'm sure I would I will be the only person in this week's list who has, I'm sure, the only number one vote for this horse because I don't even know if he was in the top 10 last week. I have Royal Ship number one. I have Country Grammar number two. I've moved Mystic Guide down to three from number one. So to me, there's a there's a line of demarcation. From the older horses, I think the top three at a mile and a quarter are, in my opinion right now, the fastest and the best. I After what I'm going to call a poor effort from Mystic Guide, because I think he should have been better than that, even if whatever, off of a little bit of a layoff X, Y, and Z, I, I expected more than that. It wasn't a terrible effort, though. I needed to move him down a little bit. And I think the top two, in my opinion, Royal Ship and Country Grammar, I think they're legit. Their figs are fast. They've done it at a mile and a quarter. They've done it in Southern California. Really, the I think a, um, a very important race, and this is stating the obvious, but especially for someone like me, if I believe in those top two, a very important race is going to be the Whitney because that is where Country Grammar is supposed to make his next start now for Todd Pletcher at Saratoga. He's probably going to be taking on a deeper field than he did in either of those two Southern California races when in reality it was he and Royal Ship and they put on a show both times. If Country Grammar does not run well in the Whitney, 
against better horses. That will at least give me some cause for pause. Royal Ship, I believe the plan still is to point to the Pacific Classic, which makes sense. But that Whitney for Country Grammar and by default, Royal Ship becomes very important. Because if Country Grammar runs really well or wins the race, it, it just makes even more of a case for a horse like Royal Ship. Whether you believe Country Grammar is better than Royal Ship, that's you as the handicapper. That's your opinion. I have stated that I think Royal Ship, I think Richard Mandela is continuing to figure him out. I think he pulled himself up when he made the front in the Hollywood Gold Cup. I don't believe it was a matter of Country Grammar, you know, all of a sudden finding more. I think Royal Ship's got a little bit lazy when he hit the front. I think he's a little bit of a, he might be kind of a, a quirky type. I think he's, I think he's very interesting. They've always talked about him as if he is a legitimate grade one type of animal once he got here, uh, I believe from Brazil. I have Royal Ship one, I have Country Grammar two, Mystic Guide three. The reason I say there's sort of a line right there, because then I go to Essential Quality and Hot Rod Charlie in four and five. Uh, essential quality. I don't know if we're going to see a prep out of him. Brad Cox has hinted at the idea of the Jim Dandy, which keep in mind, by the way, we were only a few weeks away from both Del Mar and Saratoga, which is wild that we've come this far and we're going to have fans at both places. It's going to be so much fun. Great racing, the best racing of the year outside of the Breeders' Cup, uh, Saratoga and Del Mar. Essential quality, whether he gets a start in the Jim Dandy or they just go right to the Travers, uh, my opinion of him really isn't going to change between now and then. Uh, so he'll probably, depending on what happens with those top two or three, uh, he's probably just going to stay there for me for, for the time being. Hot Rod Charlie, at least, he perhaps has an opportunity to move up if he runs giant in a race like the Haskell. But to be fair, I don't see any scenario in which I'm all of a sudden going to look at him and say, I need to put him above essential quality. So if I'm going to move him up, I feel like I have to then, for sort of continuity's sake, move essential quality up. And until the Whitney, there's really nothing that the top three are going to be able to do or not do for me to take them down. So my top five is probably pretty set, and I you could even stretch it to six. No, I'll leave it at five. My top five is probably pretty set until at least through the Haskell. Afterward... You know, we'll take a look at it, but I, I'm not sure there's something that Hot Rod Charlie can do to eclipse essential quality, in my opinion, right now. Um, the only thing that can happen to him is he can go down. The top four, I would say, are locked in, and all likely the top five are locked in. Max Field at six. I moved him up from seven last week. Um, I've made it clear. I'm, I'm not convinced that he's a 10 furlong horse. And now when you start to hear, and I should have thought about this, and to me it's almost a little bit telling the the talk is the possibility of Mystic Guide going to Del Mar for the Pacific Classic and Maxfield going to Saratoga for the Whitney. Now, you can look at that one of two ways and say Godolphin believes more in Maxfield's talent against better horses, which I don't believe. I mean, they, they took Mystic Guide over to Dubai. Or to my sort of my, my you know, tinfoil hat theory they still believe Max Field's better at nine furlongs and Mystic Guide's better at 10. And what do you have to gain by running Max Field at 10 right now if you're not convinced that he's actually a 10 furlong horse? You got a nice nine furlong race. It's a grade one. It's arguably the most prestigious non-Breeders' Cup or Triple Crown race that we have. We've talked about that a few weeks ago on the show. So Max Field, I should have probably seen this coming instead of thinking he would go out to Del Mar for the P Classic. They're going to 
send him to Saratoga for the Whitney, nine furlongs. You don't have to cross that 10 furlong bridge until the Breeders' Cup. And Mr. Guide, who feels like he is a true 10 furlong horse, you go out to the 10 furlong race. You go out and run him in the Pacific Classic at Del Mar where the Breeders' Cup is. And I don't think that's something that should go overlooked in this whole thing. Uh, seventh, I have Mandaloon. I, I'm still not totally sold that he's a 10 furlong horse. We'll find out how he runs in the Haskell coming up in a couple weeks. He could very easily move up the list and swap with a horse like Hot Rod Charlie, but we'll find out. Silver State moved him up one. Still not totally sold on him as a 10 furlong type, but a race like the Whitney should go a long way. I moved Happy Saver down from six to nine. As I said, I'm not going to write him off. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. First time on a wet track. He's better than what we saw there on Saturday. He wasn't good, but I don't think that is truly a, a good sort of indication of the, the horse's caliber and his ability. I think he's better than what we saw. And hopefully on a, on a dry track, we'll get to see if he's actually, if he stacks up here. And 10th, I have Max Player, who won that Suburban on Saturday afternoon. Um, I, you know, I put him 10th kind of by default. I want to see him do it again against better horses on, and when I say against better horses, a deeper field on a fast track specifically. Can you be forward like you were on Saturday on a fast track against the country grammars along with the Max Fields, along with the Happy Savers, and anybody else that he may run into? So my top 10 for this week, I'm willing to bet I will be the only one with a first place vote for Royal Ship. Royal Ship is my number one. I'm actually doing a little research about how I may be able to get down on him now while the price would be astronomical. Uh, Royal Ship 1, Country Grammar 2, Mystic Guide 3, Essential Quality 4, Hot Rod Charlie 5, Maxfield 6, Mandaloon 7, Silver State 8, Happy Saver 9, Max Player 10. That is my Breeders' Cup Classic Top 10 for this week. Uh, let me know what your top 10 is or top 5 but preferably top 10 beneath the video player on YouTube. I'm very curious to see what other people think of this division as a whole. This is our glitz and glamour division for the Breeders' Cup. Uh, it's never too early to be thinking Breeders' Cup. And before you know it, we're, all, we're only a few months out. These next four to six weeks are really going to shape many of these divisions of what we think of these horses as we inch closer and closer to the Breeders' Cup. Because whether we want to admit it or not, when Saratoga and Del Mar come, as quickly as they get here, they leave just as quickly. So in the blink of an eye, those two meets are over. And when they're over, we're in full-blown Breeders' Cup prep status. We're, it's, it's time to start doing your homework at that point, right after Labor Day. You've only got a couple months. That's time to start getting all your ducks in a row, making sure you've done all your homework and you know all these horses inside and out. For the Breeders' Cup Classic, no better time than now to really familiarize yourself with this field and let me know. I, I'm curious if there are some horses that I've missed. Mike Baychock, the NHC champion from a few years ago, the Million Dollar Man, uh, a good friend of mine. He had brought up some names on the Horse Player Happy Hour from last week that I had missed. Or not missed, but I have not included. And he was like, you know, I feel like life is good's got to be in there. Um, Brittany Ayrton brought up uh, Cafe Pharaoh, the, the Japanese horse. There are some other horses that certainly warrant consideration for the top 10. Medina Spirit, let's not forget about the Derby winner. You know, there, there are other runners who could certainly fit into this. So that's why I want to know what your top 10 is. Let me know beneath the video player 
on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Uh, this has been episode 73 of the show. Lean and mean. We're going to get you out of here in less than 25 minutes. Uh, however you listen, thank you for doing so. Again, many ways to find the podcast. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. If you're over on YouTube, search Bar Matt Bernie or show. You get this episode along with the 72 prior. Uh, I'll be back next Monday. Again, going to effort to uh, bring in the bring in the heavy artillery as far as the uh, the guest is concerned. And we'll, we'll discuss a race, get back into the Friday feature because no one correctly identified the Iowa Derby winner. So uh, we'll get involved with that. We'll have some fun. Got some good racing coming up this week. The Indiana Derby is going to come up midweek. Um, and just all around, we're getting closer and closer. Next week is, is Del Mar opening and, and Saratoga is shortly thereafter. So all sorts of good things coming up here over the next few weeks. Uh, however you listen, thank you again. We really appreciate it. Please rate, review, and subscribe to all of it. And again, on Twitter, you can follow me at Bernie or underscore Matt. Until next Monday, this has been episode 73 of the Matt Bernier Show. Best of luck, however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play.